It starts here, Promisers. Great to see you. Thrilled to be in the house of God. Thrilled to see you this weekend. We're ecstatic. So grateful for you and what God is doing. Uh, you're here on a holiday weekend, which means you are committed. So, man, we are grateful for that. Anybody have a good Thanksgiving at any of our campuses this weekend? Come on. Yes, sir. Well, we've got a ton to be thankful for, and we are just grateful to God for all of the favor and the blessings on our church and you and what God's doing in your life. Before we dive into the Word, we started this last year on this weekend, and we're going to continue. It's, it helps us a ton. So you're sitting on a card. It looks like this. If you will pull that out from under your posterior. And we're going to take a couple minutes. All of our ushers are in place. If you need a pen or if you don't have a card, the ushers are walking around. They'll give you what you need. This is so important that we take time out of a worship event. It helps us determine the health and is what we are doing working to the maximum. Jeremiah said, cursed be the one that does the work of the Lord negligently. And we want to do what we do for God with everything we can. So this will help us a ton. If you're a first-time guest, you don't have to. This is really for regular attenders. How long have you been attending Faith Promise? Less than a year, one to three, three to five, or over five? During the last five years, during the five years prior to attending Faith Promise, did you regularly attend church somewhere else? I didn't ask if you went on Christmas and Easter, a wedding or a funeral. Did you go two to three times a month? Were you a regular attender somewhere else? Yes or no? What brought you to Faith Promise? Uh, were you invited by a friend or family member, social media post, a website? Uh, a lot of people find us on the web. Uh, sign in a yard or a billboard, an event, Easter, Christmas, a student event, a kid's event, a mailing or other, other means. Which of the following steps have you taken since you came to Faith Promise? Next steps, experience. Have you gone to a small group? Have you begun serving anywhere in any of our campuses? And have you begun giving at any one of the four levels? All right, over the past 12 months, how many times have you invited someone to Faith Promise who does not regularly attend another church? Aunt Nellie's been going to First Church for 435 years. She's not leaving. We're talking about people that don't go to church. There are plenty of them, amen? We all have friends and family that don't go anywhere. So it's about people that don't attend anywhere else. Uh, how many times have you invited that kind of person? None? Once, twice, three times, or four times are over. About you, what zip code do you live in? What gender are you? If you're confused, we have counselors after the service. They can help you identify that. What age are you? Last year, our biggest surprise was how many students, middle school and high schoolers, were on a weekend. It was our biggest shock of the survey last year. Are you a middle schooler, high schooler, 18 to 24, 25 to 30? What age group? Stage of life, are you married, single, never married, divorced, or widowed? Again, this helps us with programming and communication and messaging. I'm going to add a question next. So some of you already turned yours in. I'm going to give you another one. See, so what happens when you cheat? Here we go. What forms of social media do you use? This will help us how to keep in touch with you, how to communicate better, and what ways can we use to get the gospel out? Are you on Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, Snapchat, 
email or something that started yesterday that 100 million people are already on that we don't know about yet. What is that? And then whatever, you may say none or all or everything. How can we be more innovative and improve on our mission of reaching the unchurched and the next generation for Jesus? When you're done, if you will pass that to my left and your right, finish, no hurry. The ushers will wait till everybody passes them in. And so we're going to roll that, finish that. But let me ask you a question. Can you multitask? All right, 12 of you. Can the other 1,000 in the room or other, can, can y'all multitask? Yeah. All right, good. So keep finished. While you do that, I'm going to give you some information that many of you have been waited uh, very impatiently for, and that is what happened on Heart for the Harvest two weeks ago. Are y'all ready to find out? Ready. Y'all ready? All right, here we go. Let's go back and catch up. 2010, 1.1 million. And by the way, we were averaging about 3,000. And I said we're going to give a million dollars. Our budget, total budget was 4 million. We would give 25% over budget on a weekend. And everybody said I was crazy. 1.142 million. 11 was 1.495 million. 2012, which is our most difficult year, we were expanding Pellissippi. 1.16 million. 13 is 1.034 million. Took a little dip that year. In 14, it was 1.263 million. So that's where we've been in five years. This is our sixth year. So help us on our tech team. What is it for the Heart for the Harvest 2015? All right, come on. Now, hold up, hold up, hold up. The tech team are devious schemers. And they've, they've done this every service. And so that's not the number. Isn't that sad they would do it to us? All right, let's see what the number is. Come on, tag team. Here we go. There we go. Come on. All right, now. See, you've already caught on. You are smart people, aren't you? Are y'all ready for the real number? Tag team, would you show us the real offering? 2015. $1.62 million. There we go. <laughs> yes, sir. 1.62 million. Thank you for sacrifice for the gospel for people you may never meet. Thank you guys for sacrificing. Our smallest gift that I know of was $1.38 by one of our promised kids. Our largest gift was $130,000 a stock gift and everywhere in between. So thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, and thank you, church. Now, we're in a series called Love Starts Here. If you missed last weekend, please go get it. You can download it, podcast it, get it free, DVD or CD, and any of our resources. We give all that stuff away. This weekend, though, is such an important message. I really want you to get it. This weekend, we're going to talk about you being a miracle. Would you agree we all ask God for miracles? We all ask God for miracles, and that's great. And he said, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. He said, I know your needs before you even ask. Ask in my name. You'll receive, ask, and seek, and knock, and it'll be given and open. But I, listen, there's a whole other level to seeking a miracle. There's asking for a miracle, and the next level is becoming a miracle for somebody else. 
So I want to help you like you've never been helped this weekend. And, before, and in that, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine who literally has been a miracle to tens of thousands of inner city kids and students in Knoxville, Steve Diggs, founder Emory Youth Foundation. Welcome him to our church this weekend. Thank you, brother. Steve doesn't look like it. Actually, I couldn't believe it. He looks so young. But 25 <laughs> years ago was in founding of Emory Youth Foundation, a ministry to children and students out of uh, Emerald Avenue, United Methodist Church. And so when you say, I can't do anything, this brand new college, get, just got out of college, said, I can't do everything, but I'll do something. And literally tens of thousands of lives will never be the same. Steve is one of my heroes and a partner of Faith Promise Church, and we love him. So, Steve, tell us, how did, how did Emerald U start? Well, as you said, 25 years ago, just a vision of one church and a few people, uh, basically like a little small group, that said, we've got to reach young people in this community. And uh, we rolled out a kickball, and kids came out of the woodwork, and then Emerald Youth was resurrected, and, and now today, uh, what started out of one church, one neighborhood with $50,000 is now a $3 million operation, multiple sites across the city in multiple neighborhoods. We're serving 2,000 young people every year. And one thing that's remained the same, and that's our mission. And that mission is for us to raise up young people to love Jesus Christ and really help them become godly young adult leaders for Knoxville. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Now... I heard you say one, there are 12,000 kids in Knoxville that would be, uh, be under-resourced or be in inner city. Is that number right? Yeah, they're coming out of our urban neighborhoods. There's 12,000 young people coming out of these neighborhoods. Okay. Out of 12,000, you serve 2,000 every year. I mean, we're talking about a, a, a significant ministry to, and now, 25 years later, tens of thousands of kids in the greatest risk. And so, man, it is unbelievable. A lot of people go to the inner city and do a lot of good work. One of the reasons I love, we love Emory Youth Foundation is they go do good work, but they do it in the name of Jesus by the power of God. And, and their goal is to turn boys and girls and students to devout followers of Jesus. So, man, that's something Faith Promise we can get behind. Is that right? Amen. Come on, man. That's the deal. Amen. So, uh, share some of the impact. Uh, just from Emerald Youth. Well, and I'll share this uh, too with you that out of these neighborhoods, what we've learned, and we've now finished just finally finalized our last study on urban youth Knoxville, and every study out of the three that's come back have really informed us with this this comment, and that is, if we're going to have a large impact, we have to mobilize more Christians. It didn't say mobilize more people; it said mobilize more Christians for the kind of impact that we're trying to have in the city. And here's what happens, one story. Uh, young lady, Amy, uh, who participated with us early on, one of our early, early participants, attended a school, Oakwood Elementary School, that later closed. And I'm gonna come back and tell you something about that school. But Amy uh, grew up in a poor community, walked everywhere, never had a car in her household. Um, Amy's mom worked off and on at a factory, laid off most of the time, her father an alcoholic, she became a, a ministry participant with us in her elementary years when she was at Oakwood School, gave her life to Christ in fifth grade at camp. She lost both of her parents when she was in high school. 
And uh, she shared this in her story. She said, but early on in that ministry with Emerald, it was impressed upon my heart, impressed upon my heart that I needed to serve others. I needed to love mm -hmm. others, being that miracle for somebody else. And uh, so she worked her way on her own through nursing school and began in the senior assisted living industry work. Worked there 11 years. That school I told you about, Oakwood School, this past April, it became an Oakwood Senior Living Center. It just opened up. Guess who the executive director is of that Oakwood Living Center now? Amy is. Thanks be to God. So what we plant, what the hope we can plant into young lives will return. It will return. It will return. Wow. There's, there's no telling how many, you know, are not on drugs, how many are not on the system, how many lives, I mean, how many people now are, are impacting Knoxville who came out of this ministry of 25 years. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. How can, how can we, Steve, man, we have a heart for our city. We have a heart for this region. How can we, as Faith Promise, help Inwood Youth and help you? Well, let me share with you some of the growth that's occurring and to help you give a picture of why we've got to have more people engaged in this work and also to really affirm what you've done and doing already. One is just this past year, we, uh, we were able to open up the Sansom Sports Complex this is a, a world-class soccer facility, three turf fields, probably some chill, young people that represent families here have been able to play on these fields already. Uh, but we had Mr. Sansom, a donor, came to us and said, if we built this complex for you, uh, do you think you could fill it up with kids? And in the very first week, it was open 1,000 kids from the city playing ball in that field. Oh, Thanks yeah. be to God. And then two, I don't know if you realize this or not, but a practical life skill that many of kids from our poor neighborhoods don't have is to know how to swim. You know, and it's important we help kids holistically their whole life. And so we had an opportunity come about of where we could take over an indoor pool that the city owned that they were about to close. We needed funds to renovate that facility. I'll never forget the call, just like the donor calling me on the sports complex. This was unsolicited. I get a call from you, Pastor Chris, out of the blue. We barely knew each other mm -hmm. at the time. Calls me and says, hey, I hear you want to open up a swimming pool for kids in the city. I said, you go ahead and do it. We'll take care of whatever it costs you to get that pool open. And today, we are teaching every week 150 kids in that pool how to swim. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks to Face Promise. And I'll tell you this too, is uh, you probably know this, but the academic gap between our urban kids and non-urban kids continues to widen in our county. And I'm talking about 10 minutes away from each other, 15 minutes away from each other. So we had the opportunity we explored in this past July, we launched and opened Knox County's first public charter school. Charter school is a public school, but independently operated. 93% of our first two grades are inner city kids. Out of our first graders, we had 63 first graders. Only six were on grade level when they came into the school. We got the kids that we were after. As a matter of fact, our first two grades, we only had 120 slots. We had 400 applications for those 120 slots. In the next three or four years, we'll have 570 mm. kids in a K through eight school. And we're gonna close, with your help, we're gonna close that academic gap for young people in our city. Wow. Mm. 
So uh, you, the Emerald Youth is it's vast in all the ministries. Just sort of run down, if you will, because some of these ministries, some of our people can serve in. So just sort of list out the ministries of Emerald Youth. Yeah, we, our focus simply is around faith, around education, and around sports. So we have some of the traditional programs you think about for an organization like ours with the after-school programs that are comprehensive. Uh, it's important that we do this work long-term with young people. So we start early trying to go through their young adult years. So it's a long journey with them, just as we all need in our own faith life and faith journey. So the tutoring, uh, sports, basketball, volleyball, soccer, swim, we've got a host of activities uh, that we're offering in the city. And what we need, is, we, as said earlier, we need people to come alongside and help us with this work. And I'll just quickly share with you a couple ways, going back to your earlier question. We need people who will pray for the ministry. We don't take that lightly. We need people to say, hey, I'll be a prayer partner, and we'll help you figure out the best way to do that. But we need people to undergird this work uh, in prayer. The second is, is we, we have our own challenges financially. This $3 million we need to raise before year end, we've got a significant gap. It will take someone being a miracle for us right now. But you can give directly to Emerald Youth Foundation. But also, the great thing about being a part of Faith Promise, if I can make a play for you guys here, is when you give to Faith Promise, you all don't keep your money all for yourselves. You're sharing that with ministries. That's how that pool got open. So when you give to Faith Promise, you're giving to organizations like Emerald Youth, and I appreciate that. But what we need, too, is we need people who will step out and say, I'll be hands and feet for you. I'll come and be a coach. I'll coach one of those soccer teams. I'll coach a volleyball team. I'll tutor a kid in math. I'll come and help at the school. I'll come and, and, and lead one of the small discipleship groups. We've got a host of opportunities. And number one, what we need is to at least get you at a point of entry where we can expose you and let you see just a few minutes down the street, there's opportunity for you to come and be Christ and be his church, the people like Amy I shared about with you earlier. So we got a lot of opportunities to connect you with, whether you're an individual or a small group. Matter of fact, we had a small group from Faith Promise that just came and renovated one of our small facilities, painting it, carpet, cleaning it up to open up a college and career prep uh, center in the Mechanicsville neighborhood. Wouldn't mm. happen without the Faith Promise small group. We got a small group of Faith Promise coming and serving meals to kids on Wednesday night before they go into their small group discipleship. We even had your staff. We turned them loose with six chainsaws a couple weeks ago and doing some landscape work thought. for us. You know, but the great thing about that, when we have a group come and do landscape work or other maintenance work for us, that means it's money we don't spend on that kind of work, and we put it directly into the ministry. So we need your help as small groups or as individuals. We've got a host of opportunities, whether you're a, a businessman or a woman or a layperson. What, we've got opportunities for you. If you'll go to emeraldyouth.org, give us a shot to see if we can't find a good match. Again, we can't change lives. We can't change communities without the body of Christ. No question. We all say, well, it's a shame what happens in the inner city, drive-bys and drugs and single parent or kids that don't have anybody speaking life. Somebody ought to do something. We're the body. We're Man. the body of Christ, and we're going we're gonna to go alongside. So whether you want to do construction projects, yard projects, coaching projects, whatever, and again, what I love about them, they just don't have soccer. They have soccer with the Savior. Mm. They have swimming with Jesus. 
They have volleyball with victory. It's, it's everything is about, because, you know, you want to win kids, especially inner city, throw a ball out there. It doesn't matter what kind of ball, they're going to pick it up. And then you get to tell them how God loves them and how they can be born again, and you can walk with them. So I know that we do projects with Inward Youth, but, but Frank, I should know this and I don't. I don't know if Inward Youth is in our monthly budget, but I'm going to talk to Brad. Don't y'all think it ought to be monthly that we're giving Amen. to Inward Youth? So, man, thank you. Man, thank we, you. we love you, and man, you're a hero, and you're a guy making a difference. And Faith Promise, are we going to get behind and support Inward Youth Foundation? Thank you. Thank you all very much. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Thank you all. There's one guy, college graduate, saying, I can make a difference in a dying church in a changing neighborhood. Most churches, when the neighborhood changes, the church dies. This has become the most aggressive inner city ministry in Knoxville, and in Knoxville City. And man, we want to be a part. See, you can be a miracle. You, you know, there's, right now, there's people lonely crying out for somebody. There's people sick all alone. There are people that are hurting by themselves. There are people that are stuck and think they're no, then they believe there's no way out. There are people that are discouraged and defeated and oppressed and are, and are all alone. There are people that are trapped in sinful and, and, and difficult habits and, and history and hang up that their lives are messed up. All those people are doing something today. God, if you're there, God, if you care, God, if it matters to you, would you send somebody to me? You're the body that God wants to send. You're the answer to their prayer. You say, oh, no, Chris, you don't know me, man. My life is messed up. I'm so grateful God uses wax, screwed up, messed up people to accomplish his purpose, or he'd never use me. Amen. And he wants to use you. So that's the deal. You're a part of the body. It's your destiny. It is your purpose. It's why you were saved, to be a miracle to other people. You're the hands and the feet of Jesus. You're the hands he uses. You're the mouth he uses to speak life into death, to speak encouragement into discouragement. You are the one that God uses. That makes sense. God calls us, the people of God, to lift up the fallen, to restore the broken, and to set the captives free. Jesus stands up in the temple. And Jesus is the, handed the scroll, and the, the scroll just happened to be opened to Isaiah 61, where Jesus reads, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? To restore the captive, to restore the brokenhearted, to proclaim, proclaim liberty to the prisoners, to uh, sight to the blindness. That's what, well, listen, faith promise, we have an Isaiah 61 anointing on us to restore, to redeem, to help, and to set at liberty. Do y'all believe that? Anybody with me? Come on, man, that's what, wow. Now, I'm grateful for $1.62 million, man. Thank God the most sacrificial is just the biggest thing we've ever done financially. And we're going to launch the Loudoun County campus, but guess what? Somebody's got to go there. It's one thing to give money. It's another thing to put beat to your feet. I mean, thank God for a God behind bars, and we'll be in some prisons, and we'll have a faith promise campus there, but somebody's got to go sit down across the table and look eyeball to eyeball and say, God loves you, and God's got a plan for your life. Somebody's got to do it. Even people who are there with no hope of parole, some of the freest people I've ever met live behind bars. And some of those trapped people I know have never seen a, a bar or a cage. And so God has put that anointing on us. I read an email. A lot of you sent emails this week. Thank you. Keep them coming. 
about being a, being a miracle. There were two sisters. There are two sisters that go here. Many of you know them. If I called their name, they've been at every level of ministry and leadership in our congregation. They've not been on vacation together in four years. And they have been saving for four years. They saved up 1500 bucks and were planning on going on a trip until last week when God opened their eyes to a family whose power had been cut off, whose kids have no heat or electricity, and who are about to be evicted from where they were living. They looked at each other and said, we can go on a vacation or we can be a miracle. They said, let's be a miracle. Let's just, let's give that. Let's, let's just give that. Let's, let's give that. Some, somebody in here, I didn't say this, somebody ought to send those two sisters on a vacation. I don't know who you are, but somebody ought to send them. And if y'all don't, me and Michelle will. And so, man, because God, listen, man, it, we are called to be a miracle. What if all of us lived with this attitude? Think about this. I'm a miracle waiting to happen. What if you got out, bed, got out of bed every day and said, I'm a miracle waiting to happen. God, what door are you opening up today, God? Who are you bringing into my life today, God? What are you doing in my life today, God, that I'm going to be able to speak to love, to care for, and be a miracle for someone else? Are you with me? Many of us are too busy and too distracted to see the needs all around us. The devil loves busy believers because they're too distracted to see the doors that God is opening for us to be a miracle. Would y'all believe that? No, I'd have a margin between meetings, between appointments, between practices, between where we're going and what we got to do. There's just nobody there. I got saved, 1982. Drug addict, dope dealer, got saved in Memorial Hospital by myself. Nobody there for three days. That was on a Thursday. I got out of the hospital on Saturday, Sunday morning. I walked, to, walked into East Lake Baptist Church. It's the only church that I knew of. I walk in, traditional Southern Baptist Church. Everybody's got hats, suits, ties, gloves, the whole deal. I got a silk shirt unbuttoned down to my navel, big gold splash, bell bottom, you know what I'm talking about, big stacked shoes, and an afro this big. <laughs> Those people have never seen anything like that in their lives. I'm talking about big afro now. We're talking about link on them. We're talking about buckwheat here. I'm talking about afro, baby. I could grow another one. And so those people had never seen anything like that. And I didn't know anybody. I didn't know what I was going to do. All I knew that I was saved and I wanted to love Jesus. And I didn't know where to go or what to do. And Carlton Ratchford walked up to me that Sunday morning and said, you're coming to my house for lunch today. And he said, this is my wife, Dolores, and, this is my, and these are my kids. They were about my age. I became one of their kids. Every Sunday, I went to Carlton to Dolores. They became my small group leaders and taught me the Word of God and, and how to do ministry. I learned from them the biblical definition of a Sabbath. Go to church, come, eat a big lunch, watch football, and nap on the couch. I didn't know that was biblical. I didn't realize. But it was awesome. See, they were my miracle. Would I have stayed in church had I not met someone who reached their hand out to me? Faith Promise, every Sunday, probably 150 brand new people walk into one of our campuses wondering, is there anybody here who cares about me? You can be there. You take somebody to lunch, man. You got somebody new beside you. Just, I mean, look over there and say, hey. Now, you don't know if they've been here for 15 years because people go to different campuses, different services, all that kind of stuff. Just say, hey, are you new? No, no, yeah, or yeah, I'm new. Really? Just for, oh, hey, I got a great small group. You can come to small group with me. Would you like to go to lunch? That's what Carlton Dolores did. Would you like to come to lunch? Now, back then, nobody ate out on Sunday. It was the dark ages. <laughs> but be somebody's miracle. See, if you help others, God will help you. 
It's a biblical principle. Our Proverbs chapter 11 says this. There's one who scatters. There's one who gives. There's one who throws out. There's one who is about putting into other people's lives. There's one that scatters and yet does what? Increases all the more. And there is one who withholds even what is justly due. And yet results in what? When it's all about you getting all your can, canning all you get sitting on the can, you'll always want more. Ask Warren Buffett. 80 billion, whatever he's worth, is it enough? No, it's a billion more. As long as you are, it's about you, and I'm not saying Warren Buffett's all about him, I don't know that gentleman, but it, it will, you will be in want. The generous man will be will prosperous, and he who waters. Actually, I love the King James translation. I rarely pick KJV over New American Standard, but I like this. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. The word watered or refreshed means to supernaturally or abundantly supply a need. He who withholds the grain, the people will curse him and blessings will be on the head of him who sells it. See, when you're about giving, you're about others, you're about caring, you're about sharing, God will refresh you. You refresh others. There'll be a day when you're dry, God will refresh you. Does that make sense? He will bring somebody into your life that will be your miracle. Now, you can't help everybody, but you can help somebody's. And what many of us do is we don't do anything for anybody because we can't do everything for everybody. Do for a few what you wish you could do for everybody. I don't do all the funerals, but I do some of them. Are you with me? I don't do all everything, but I do some. I do, I do what I can do, and we all do what we can do together. You do what you can do, and let God do what God can do. And listen, hey, I want you to, if you're listening, say I am. Why don't you put your big boy pants on? Are you ready? This is way bigger than money. For most of the people that you get to be their miracle, it's not going to be financial. Because some of the greatest needs people have are not about money. Grow up. Come on, step up. Some people need some love. They're discouraged. They're defeated. They think God doesn't care, nor does anybody else. And if you'd spend a little love on them, spend a little time with them, they would turn to Jesus. Because if they see you loving God and you loving them, they'll love God. That's evangelism. It's what we do. There are people that need love. There are people that need an encouraging word. That all they get is negativity. They're at home and at work. And if you can walk in and you can speak words of life. Man, what I do to people that are in a bind and stuff is difficult. I walk up, up I put my arms around them, and I always say this. It's going to get better. And they'll say, how do you know, Pastor? How do you know? Because I know, God, it's going to get better. This is your darkest day. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. Oh, I, I don't have a lot of things. That, there are a lot of times that I don't even have a word for people. That's why some of us don't help because I won't know what to say. Half the time, you don't need to say jack. You just need to sit there and be with them. They just need a warm body with a pulse that's near them that will care. You just sit there. Man, for some, oh, they need a holy hug. Now, the Bible talks about a holy kiss, and you men, I don't need that kiss from you. <laughs> but there are times I need a holy hug. And there are times that you get to walk in, and you get to put your arms around somebody. Man, I'm always walking around at Pellissippi or whatever campus I'm at. I'm hugging people. I'm a hugger. I love to hug. Man, I'm just hugging people, loving on people. Man, I love you. I love you. I tell everybody when, you know, I was in the car with someone and the other day and I was talking to my assistant, hung up, say, hey, I love you. And I hung up and said, did you just say, you, did you just say I love you to your assistant? I said, that's how I say goodbye to everybody. I say, when I hang up, anybody I talk to says, hey, I love you. I love you. I love you. It's just, it's just, you know what? Can you say I love you too much? 
We all love to hear it. Words of encouragement, a holy hug being there. I read a story this week about a young Christian artist, a singer, young, got married. They're on their, they're on their honeymoon in Jamaica. If I were to call her name, some of you would know. Honeymoon in Jamaica. And her husband was a free diver. It means he could hold his breath for five to ten minutes. And he's out there up and down, and she's watching. And, you know, five minutes, he's back up. Or eight minutes, he's back up. And he goes down five minutes, nothing. Ten minutes, hmm, he's not back up. Fifteen minutes, she's worried. Twenty minutes, she freaks out. And the worst of all things that could possibly happen, he drowned. That was on September the 10th, the day before 9-11. She's young. She's in a foreign country. She's all by herself. She calls her family and his family. Everybody gets flights to come down to be with her. And the next day was 9-11. Do you remember what happened after 9-11? For seven days, all flights were grounded in the United States of America. She was there. She couldn't leave. She couldn't get home. She didn't know anybody. She's sitting in their bungalow or whatever room that they were in, and she is weeping, and all of a sudden there's a knock at the door. And uh, uh, when she opens up the door, it was a Jamaican housekeeper who was cleaning the room next door. And she said, ma'am, I'm so sorry, but I couldn't help but hear you cry. Is there something I could pray with you about? And the lady just fell into her arms. And she began to pat her and said, it's going to be okay. And she said, my husband, my new husband just died. And she prayed with her. And you know what? She realized at that moment it was going to be okay. Because somebody reached around. She didn't even know and gave her a hug. Man, there are holy hugs. They're just love, man. They're, y'all know what I'm talking about? Is anybody with me? See the good? Amen. Come on. Let me, let, me, let me wrap this up. Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, and many of you know the story. Jewish man on a business trip is robbed, stripped naked, beaten half to death, and left in a ditch. A little while later, a Pharisee, a rabbi, a priest comes by, a religious leader, and sees him and says, oh, somebody ought to do something, and he passed by. Can you imagine the ache and the, 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 the discouragement in the man who is dying, and the religious leader goes past? A lot of people don't believe in God because they've watched us act like God doesn't exist. Because we walk past needs, because we're too busy, we're too distracted, we're too focused on what we have to deal with. A little while later, a Levite comes by. He's an attorney. He is a Jewish lawyer, which means he was an expert in the Old Testament, had the whole Old Testament memorized. And he also had excuses, and he passed by on the other side. Later, a Samaritan came by, one that Jews hated because he was partially Jewish and partially non-Jewish. And they hated them, and he sees them. Jesus said he was moved with compassion in his guts. And he reached down, he poured wine on all, of his, on all of his cuts, and then he poured oil. Then he picked him up and put him on his donkey and took him to the Holiday Express and cared for him that night. As he was checking out the next morning, he said, Sir, I left a man that's sick in my room. I want you to take care of that man. When I get back, if there's anything else owed on the bill, I'll take care of that. Well, obviously, the innkeeper knew him and knew that he was good for his word. And he did. And Jesus said, who was the one that was the miracle to the man? Who was the one that proved to be the neighbor? Can I tell you what many of us do? We are passers-by. Don't be a passer-by. Are you with me? You, Jesus said this. Let me, let me give you this thought. Jesus said, in the end, there's going to be the great white throne of judgment. Then there's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb, and it's all over on earth, and we're with him. And then he said what he's going to do. He said, I will wipe away every tear from every eye. Do y'all believe that? Do y'all believe he's going to do that? 
Until that day, you and I have the privilege of being his hands and his handkerchief and wiping the tears off the people that we know. We get to be the hands dabbing away the tears and looking and saying, it's going to be okay. Because God holds the future and it's going to be okay. See, we can all say that, can't we? I don't walk into situations and quote theology and, and, and quote doctrine. I just hug people and say, it's going to be okay. God knows it's going to be okay. Now, all of us really want to be a miracle, but it's hard to be a miracle for someone if you don't have the love of God in you. See, if the love of God's not in you, then it won't come out of you. Does that make sense? And so you got to be saved. You have to be born again to have a relationship with Jesus. Not being religious, but a relationship with Jesus. Actually, religion has turned more people away from God than anything else. Religion has been a whole lot more horrible on a walk with God than Hollywood has. Are you with me? We want to blame the world. The biggest deal is religion that turns people away from God. You want a relationship with God, he wants one with you. And that's why sin is son. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're ready to turn your life over to Jesus, if you're ready to begin a relationship, then he's ready to begin one with you. So we're going to pray out loud with you. So if you're ready, pray this prayer with us. Say, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned and I'm separated from you. I am so sorry. Come into my life. I confess you as my Lord. You died for me. You rose from the grave. And now I want to live for you. I want to be a miracle for others like you are for me. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, somebody give God some praise in the house, would you? Wow. Now, if you guys were not, if you just gave your heart to Jesus, if you'll fill the communication card out in front of you, put in the offering box or take it to the next steps, and they'll help you. If you were not here last week, we gave an Advent calendar out. Now, the next 21 days leading up to Christmas. And so it's about ministries and all that kind of stuff So if, uh, that we partner with. You can pick one up at the information counter. By the way, listen, in two weekends, our creative team, Mike and the creative team, have put together a short film called The Stable Boy. You know it's going to be good, don't you? You just know it's going to be good. And so in two weekends, it's the best weekend to get your family and friends here. Not Aunt Nell, who's been at First Church for 435 years. Are you with me? Not her. People that are far from God. And there are people that if you invite, they would come. They're just waiting for someone to be their miracle. So you can grab one of these. Hey, are you guys glad to be? Are you glad you came to the house of God this weekend? So there's going to be... There's going to be pastors down here if you need. Put your stuff in the offering box or the next steps area. We love you. Be back next weekend as we continue on. Love starts here. See ya.